and welcome to the Middlemen podcast, taking you ringside, pitchside, and as always, sharing a unique journalistic perspective on sport. I'm Noah Abrahams. And I'm Max Taylor. It seemed to be champions that were the theme of this episode, whether it was Liverpool beating Leipzig or Clarissa Shields making history. We talk everything from both the uh, football and boxing front, so stay tuned for that. Max, let's start with Liverpool. I can't quite get my head around your team uh, because you seem to be one of the very best in Europe on the European stage in the Champions League, made light work of RB Leipzig, 4-0 in aggregate. You beat them, we're recording on the Thursday night, so you beat them last night easily, 2-0, very comfortable, no trouble at all. Yet in the Premier League, you can't seem to do it. You can't seem to find that same form. Uh, so before we go on to that, you're eighth in the Premier League, you're through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League now. Uh, let me start with last night's performance. I'm guessing you'd, you, you'd rather go and begin the podcast with the positives, Liverpool's positives. Uh, Fabinho, I want to talk about him. He started, he started in his preferred defensive midfielder role, first time since October when he played against Everton. What difference does it make having Fabinho in the engine room, in his natural role? Well, I think... The effect that that has uh, is is apparent in the scoreline. Is apparent in the you know is apparent in what we're doing in the Champions League when we play our players in their natural habitat, if you will. That is what they can do. That's the performances they can give and the results that we can get. So I think that's a message to Klopp to stop stop creating more crises around the crisis we already have you know by putting Fabinho in the centre-back spot let's let's stop that now because we've seen the overall effect he has on the team when he's played in um, the holding midfielder role so let's have faith in our centre-backs now we have enough Um, I don't think there's any reason to be putting Fabinho at centre-back now and the performance that he put in last night just goes to show uh, really how good he is and really how much we're limiting him by putting playing him anywhere else. Yeah, it's not just Fabinho, it's Genie Wijnaldum. We played further forwards last night and again, it worked. Uh, I think that's Thiago's best performance. Best game <laughs> in the Liverpool shirt. I thought he was outstanding. And Nat Phillips as well, made his European debut, was was brilliant. And I can't get my head around Mo Salah. So let, let's talk about the two goal scorers from, from last night uh, at Anfield. Salah, 25 goals now this season. So he's the third time in four seasons that he's, he's reached that stat. But he can't do it in the Premier League. And again, I don't get it. He subbed off against Chelsea with half... How long was it left to play? About half an hour, I think. I, I don't understand Salah this season. Why can he play on the European stage, but not uh, in the Premier League? Well, to be honest, I'm, I'm really not sure. We do seem to have um, quite a nice a nice relationship with the Champions League. So we do play good football in that, in that competition. Um, and it would be great to actually watch it translate into the Prem as well, because that's where we are at our worst. And, you know, we've pretty much hit our rock bottom um, as far as results in the Premier League go. So hopefully the whole team, you know, not just Salah, who's having a bit of a bad form uh, in the Prem, the whole team hopefully can take inspiration from last night. And it's really encouraging to see us play and know what we're capable of. Um, and hopefully that's, you know, a thought that's occurred to the players as well. Um, hopefully they've considered that and can really play now in the next couple of fixtures against Wolves and Arsenal, um, can really play like they want to win and they know how to win because it's what they did against Leipzig. You saw the whole character of the team change when they had a little confidence. So uh, more of that, please. You know, I, I can't wish for anything but that. And, um, 
hopefully our luck has started to turn from it. I'm so glad we support who we support because it's just been perfect over the last month or two in terms of <laughs> our first episode, Lampard left Chelsea, then, then Liverpool have declined completely. Um, Mane last night, Saudi Mane, I thought he played very well in between uh, the wide men. Uh, and Diego Jota, I want to ask you, I want to ask you a question. Would you now keep Jota in the side instead of Firmino? I know what I, I, know what I would do. Would you rather Firmino or Jota in the starting eleven? Well, I think Yotta's so lethal in front of goal that he raised this question earlier on in the season when Firmino was uh, not playing his best and Yotta started to find his form. You know, he was making all the headlines uh, earlier this season and, and he's, he's doing it again now. Maybe not to the level that he was, but he's still playing with that kind of tenacity that you love to see. Um, and I think it's exactly what we need, especially going forward right now. He He's a... Uh, a great character in attack and I think is what we've been lacking these past few weeks so yeah for now I would keep him in because there's no point sticking to your guns when they're they're broken guns you know they're they're not going to help our situation in the Premier League and um our fight for not even top four but Europa League I think um we do need to start changing rotating the squad and having faith in different players but obviously not burning the bridge with Bobby, not, you know, keeping him out all season and putting Yotta ahead. He, he's been a great servant to our team and he's going to continue to be. He's uh, saved us in certain situations. Look what he did in the Tottenham game with that last minute header. So he still pops up and um, is there when we need him at certain times. So uh, I just I think both players are going to do fantastic things for us. Um, well, m- maybe not fantastic, but I think they're going to be very helpful to us going through the season. So if I was Klopp, I wouldn't really stick with one. I'll just, you know, kind of chop and change uh, if and when he sees fit. Yeah, nothing wrong with a bit of rotation. And it'll be interesting to see if your future's as bright as Bobby Firmino's teeth. Um, I'm going to give you, it's brilliant to hear your expert view on Liverpool. I'm going to give you, the, I made some bullet points during the, the loss to Fulham on Sunday night, uh, the 1-0 loss. Uh, or Sunday, Here's, here were my bullet points. No creativity, lack of intensity and energy, no pace. Uh, you, you were playing a high line and there was no pressure on the ball. I, I didn't understand that. You were going in on ones and not threes and fours. Uh, Fulham got the ball through the lines easily. The level of performance was shocking. The strength and depth looked a problem and you didn't show any pace or hunger when trying to get back into the game. Now you've won against Leipzig. How do you how do you bring that into the Premier League? And another question: I'm going to go Oprah Winfrey style here. Were <laughs> the were the Klopp haters silent or were they silenced? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's only one win. We can't really get too ahead of ourselves, but it is you you can't really help it when you're in a situation that uh, as Liverpool fans have been in, when we've just seen kind of losses across the board week in, week out. It's exciting and it's uh, <laughs> almost refreshing to see us get a win. But we have to be realistic as well. I mean, there were stages uh, earlier in the season when we were getting wins, but we were still not in form and we still weren't really doing well in the Prem. So, I mean, I guess as far as the club hate is being silent on silence goes it's, it's it's one game that shut them up in there and uh, the Thiago haters as well they were awfully quiet when he had as you said he had a great game uh, last night but uh, you know as I said it's, it's only one game uh, so as long as you keep it up then that's that's all I, I can ask for and that's all they need to do really because keeping that uh, you, you made those bullet points as long as we kind of 
do the opposite of those bullet points and kind of um, do everything we won against Fulham. As you said, there's no kind of urgency about the player, no character. Well, that's something I think that has changed with the Leipzig game. And as long as they can continue to do that, then the only way is up. Well, Look, I'd love to. I'd love to know who Megan supports. By the way, Megan Mark, that'd be great. That'd be a great interview. Uh, I think you will improve now uh, in the Premier League. I, I think the slump you're in has to end at some point. I think now is probably the right time to to end that slump and get back to winning ways. I also think that the only way you're going to play top European football next season, aka Champions League football next season, is by winning the Champions League. Uh, so. And I don't actually, I wouldn't rule Liverpool out because like you said, in Europe, you played so, so well. Um, Chelsea, I, I hope we'll be playing Champions League football next season. We've extended our unbeaten run under Thomas Tuchel to 11 games, four points off second. And to give you a progress report, Max, when Lampard left, and I was quite, I was quite actually proud of Lampard saying that we're only five points off the top four. We shouldn't sack him. And now we're four points off second. It's like... <laughs> Put it into perspective, didn't it? It does. And I can't decide whether maybe I was just being too lenient. Maybe I was giving Lampard too much of the benefit of the doubt when really he left Chelsea five points off the top four and Tuchel now, after 11 games, we're four points off second. It, what What do you think? Do you think, it, it, in hindsight, it was the correct decision, Lampard's departure, and now Thomas Tuchel's here and uh, Chelsea under this 3-4-2-1 formation, uh, one of the best sides in the Premier League? Well, yeah, there's no way you can uh, look at what Tuchel's done since the Lampard sacking and say the Lampard sacking wasn't for the best. You know, it, it definitely was. I think there was that uncertainty at the start that it could go one or two ways, but luckily for you guys, it has been the one way where Tuchel's come in and just done incredible things with the team uh, from you know, with formations and just the way you, pl- the general playing style, uh, I think is so commendable. And yeah, he has kind of reintroduced those typical Chelsea standards that you'd be expecting high up in the top four now. Um, I think everybody, when when you took Lampard in, you were kind of okay with having that, as you said, being four points or five points off fourth or, or whatever it was. I mean, because you have that manager, you're kind of going to let him be, a bit worse than you would you would expect an, uh, a general Chelsea manager to be because of who it is. You know, I think there was that, um, as you said, that lenience towards Lampard. But Tuchel's come in, and as I said, he's just done fantastic things for the team. I, I wanted to ask you, what what flaw do you see most in this Chelsea team right now? Because I look at them with the ball, they're a threat. I look at them without the ball, they're comfortable. I really don't know where or how they're going to go wrong with. Uh, how they've been looking so far. So where do you think if there was, uh, you know, I don't want to be negative too no, much, no, but yeah. if there was something to go wrong with the Chelsea team, what do you think it would be? So you're the second person this week to ask me that question. And uh, I'm still scratching my head because like you say, whether on the ball or off the ball, Chelsea have been magnificent. And Tuchel's come in and he's, imp- he's improved pretty much everyone. Christensen, He's a number four, but he's, he's not the classic number four. And Tuchel's created this spark where he can play in that centre-half role and, and he can play off the ball. Uh, you look at Rudiger, how much better he's been under, to- uh, under Thomas Tuchel. Tony Rudiger doesn't let anything past him. And Christensen keeps Thiago out of the squad. Jor- Jorginho, it gets way too much hate. Havertz is keeping, Havertz is keeping 
uh, Ziyech out of the squad. So he's creating so much competition in this team that everyone is playing at their very, very best. And I think when you've got players like Ziyech dying to get off the bench, you can't get a game because the competitiveness now is back. It's so hard to find any criticisms. Um, and as for Timo Werner, who I wanted to to just talk about quickly before we move on to our next talking point, I think he's been magnificent. And I think he, he epitomises what Thomas Tuchel is all about. He's on the shoulder of that last defender. He fits in so perfectly well. Uh, with the two creative players behind him, uh, Mount and Pulisic. And, you know, we said when Lampard left Chelsea, we said, okay, you know, Werner's come in, he's 100 million, these massive expectations and Lampard couldn't, it wasn't working because of the expectations money brings with expectations. Um, But Tuchel's kind of wiped the floor with that idea. And he's got, I I know Werner's not scoring and he should be uh, in, in the forward role, but he creates space for the players in behind him. Mason Mount plays in between the lines. He'll pick the pockets of any defender. And Tuchel's not afraid to switch it up to a 5-3-2. I, I said we're playing a 3-4-2-1. He'll switch it up to a 5-3-2 if it's not working. So I really struggle to find any criticisms in this team. Mendy in goal as well. I know that was actually Lampard. That was Lampard's decision. But uh, Tuchel's experimented with uh, Kepa. It didn't work. And he stuck with Mendy. So... I, I will hold my hands up and say I was a critic of Thomas Tuchel when he first came in. I didn't really understand why a manager who's only been successful in uh, non... Well, it's harsh to call the French League not competitive, but it's not quite the Premier League. In answer to your question, I struggle to find faults in the Chelsea squad at the moment. I think maybe the only squad is uh, that a player like Christensen relies on confidence. And if he gets one... One knock at the start of a game, he seems a bit off for the rest of it. But there are really so little faults uh, in that Chelsea team at the moment, Max. Yeah, I think you've, well, you've basically covered it all there. Alluding to Werner, I think his baby steps, you know, he says he's still not scoring. But look how, how when he wasn't scoring at the start of the season, but he wasn't doing anything else. Now he does everything else but score. So I think, as as you said, Tuchel has really brought the best out of players. Even Christensen, you know, I, I know a lot of uh, Chelsea fans who weren't a fan of him and now they're his biggest fan. I've got um, one, of my, one of my mates now used to not give him the time of day. And now I can't even call him Christensen. He's the uh, Danish Maldini to him. <laughs> because. That that is that, and that's the Tuchel effect, uh, and I don't think it could have worked more positively for Chelsea. So they're they're basically a match made in heaven and a massive threat to the Prem. Um, I, I can't, you can't really say they're going to be in it for the title race this year because of Man City just taking the whole thing by storm. But I'm I'm scared to see what damage they're going to do next year. Yeah, look, I don't think Chelsea might win the FA Cup this year. I don't think we're going to win anything serious. I know an FA Cup to most teams would be unbelievable. But uh, I, look, it's, it's when you've got a player like Chilwell and a player like Alonso going toe-to-toe for that place uh, in that right-back role. And, and there's, it, it's just, I love it. I love that competitive feel that Tuchel's brought into, into South West London. And uh, long may it continue. Talking about managers, Steven Gerrard this week, let's go back to that romantic relationship with a club and a manager. Steven Gerrard this week has said he'd love to manage Liverpool but not at the moment. Uh, Klopp is the man. And he said that unless you're a Liverpool fan, you don't understand how exceptional Klopp is. What, what are your thoughts on Gerrard eventually becoming manager? And do you think it's the right thing, having just won the, uh, the, the premiership in Scotland, that he 
he's kind of he's kind of put those rumours to bed about Liverpool. He said, look, I'm happy here. I'm staying in Scotland. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, and uh, from my point of view, I couldn't be happier for Gerrard. I think <laughs> the, the talks about Liverpool are just stupid. They're just way too early for his career. Well, saying that, look how, you know, Chelsea was Lampard's second team to manage, but... But look how it went, you know. I wouldn't want Gerard happening, like coming to uh, Liverpool and the same thing happening. I, I, I want him to have. I want. I would want Liverpool to be his highlight of his managerial career and be where he's most successful because the, the story behind that is just incredible. You, you don't get a better love story than that. But um, yeah, obviously there was. There's been rumours swirling because of the international. Um, job offer from Germany as well with Klopp and and he, he said the same thing as Gerard. you know, he's not going anywhere um, and I just love that both those guys are committed to uh, to, to both their teams and there's not there's not an ounce of speculation or, or truth uh, to them going elsewhere and, and that's that's how I like to see things right now. It'd be great for Klopp to iron out this uh, bad patch that we're going through right now uh, as far as the Premier League goes and then uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't really see a future in Liverpool without Klopp in it. You know, I, I want really? him there uh, f- for as, as many years as we can keep him, really, uh, because that'll only give Gerard time to develop and become a better manager. So when the time does come, and hopefully in many years, many years from now, that Klopp does actually leave, uh, hopefully there's a, a esteemed, accomplished and decorated Gerard, not a green one that's just tasted his first bit of success. You know, maybe he's, he, he wins uh, three or four more Premiership uh, titles with Rangers, or goes to different clubs and gets experience there. So I think, in in the context of Gerard coming to Liverpool, only time makes it better, um, and that I think it's just a win-win situation for everybody in that respect. Yeah, I think Liverpool going about it absolutely the right way, and it's really refreshing to see as well. And I don't want to out a manager like Gary Rowett who jumps from club to club and he uses each club as a stepping stone and I've got nothing against Rowett, but that's what he does. And I think it's really nice that Gerard has his feet firmly on the ground and knows that of course, one day he will, I think he will be a Liverpool manager. Um, but it's, it's lovely to see uh, the, the, it's, it's really nice to see the way they've gone about it, both Klopp and Steven Gerrard and uh, Klopp's uh, Gerrard's respect for Klopp and uh, Klopp's respect for Liverpool. Uh, from Gerrard, a newly crowned champion in Scotland, to another newly crowned champion. Let's move on to Ijaz Ahmed. Uh, so, for those of you who don't know, he's the European Super Flyweight Champion (WBO) and IBF. He beat Casey Kadimi, courtesy of a unanimous decision. Uh, sorry, no, it was a majority decision a few weeks ago. Uh, a really impressive display. And the middleman caught up with Ijaz. We spoke about his win against Kadimi, a possible matchup uh, with the British super flyweight champion, Sonny Edwards, and much more. Ijaz, let's start by saying that you're the WBO, IBF, European super flyweight champion. How does that sound? It's just a surreal. I mean, because I haven't got the, the, the balls on me as of yet. It hasn't sunk in and it hasn't, like, I haven't got the full feeling yet. But as soon as they come in, you know, and like getting pictures with people and and um, it'll feel a lot better then. The, the hard work paid off and all that. But um, obviously until you've, you're holding the balls, it's a different feeling. It was a really technical fight last time out against uh, Casey Kadimi. Were you confident when you were waiting for that decision to come in that you'd won? Did you know you'd won? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you see the video right at the end, I knew um, I thought it would have been a bit more of a of a gap. And uh, when I heard the the draw decision, I was like, "What is this um, judge watching? Why has he watched?" But um, the other two, they've got it. They've, I mean, none of them put it that way. None of them give it to Casey. The referee was was um, he was great. I mean, uh, because we was. Um, it was a clean fight. There was there wasn't much of him getting in the way or, or stopping anything. Um, it was a it was a great um, performance by me, and um, I enjoyed it. Was it the best of your career against Casey? Would you say? Well, um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody that watched it uh, said you've come a, a long way since we've seen you last, and and we've seen you in, as you uh, grown, but obviously. We've got to give that, uh, give the thanks to the, the team, uh, Paul Mann and and uh, Errol Johnson, um, Matt Sturges and, and Ben Wilkes. Obviously, all these guys um, put in the hard work, um, and and we got the the game plan right, and we got the job done. Well, I embarrassed Paul a little bit. How much has he helped you in in the preparation and in, in the training and the build up to that fight? And how much- massively. I mean, even if it wasn't. It, I mean the, the training, of course, because I, I'm here. I was here every day, and um, he, so was he. Um, there's not one day he missed because he wanted me to be prepared 100% for this fight. And um, not only was it the the the, tra- the training, it was the advice, the the nutrition, and everything, telling me what you should and shouldn't be eating and stuff like that. I mean, um, a lot of people uh, don't really know what they're talking about, but um, Obviously, Paul and the the, the guys uh, do know what they're talking about. How much of a relief was it to to finally step through the ropes and to be back in the ring? Yeah, I mean, I was buzzing. I, I, I as soon as I found out, because obviously uh, the day we get there, we have to take the COVID uh, test. As you soon know, as I found out, everything is all clear. I was I was jumping for joy. I was like, oh my god. Oh, it's crazy. I, I know the feeling when you go for a COVID test, you're thinking, please, please, let it be negative. Um, do you think there'll be a rematch with, with Casey or Jazz? Do you want one? I don't mind, to be honest, but obviously everything's got to be um, right. Um, we've got to, obviously at the moment, with um, Ramadan coming up, um, I don't want to say anything. God. We're not going to um, put pen to paper yet. We're going to, uh, once Ramadan's over and I'm back in the gym and I'm, I'm training, we're going to sit down and uh, weigh apart options and see what uh, the next step is. And uh, if the best option is a rematch, then yeah, why not? Uh, but obviously it's the uh, management um, management job to figure out what the, the, the best step is for me. Um, and we just take it like that uh, with that you just take it like that. Do you take any notice of people like Sonny Edwards calling you out on Twitter? I don't. I mean, people, it's just words at the end of the day. And um, I'm not I'm not too bothered. I mean, that fight could happen in the, will, will happen in the future sometime. But obviously, all in good time. And uh, whenever it's written to happen, it will happen. Um, but I'm not ruling out anything, no. How, how much are you enjoying your boxing at the moment? It, it feels like you've got a smile on your face. You're happy. You've just won the European belts. How, how much are you, en- are you enjoying your time now boxing? I know we've got COVID, but it must still be a great, a great joy. 
Yeah, I mean to be fair, I've always enjoyed coming into the gym, and uh, it's like a it's a it's a family environment. It's everybody there to help each other out, and um, I'm I'm always in the gym and I'm always training. Like like now, I've I've come into train today. Um, after a week's uh, a week off, for me personally, I would have come back in the gym gym the next day, but uh, the, uh, the the management said have at least a week off, so. That's why I'm back today. What's it been like without fans, though? Because uh, it would have been amazing, Jazz, if there were if there were fans ringside to, to have seen that uh, on the weekend. Um, all my, my people were, were really gutted that they couldn't be there to share um, the experience and share the, the joy uh, of actually getting my hand raised. But... Um, being on the first time on the on the TV and all that was was a was an experience of its own. Um, so I mean, by maybe the next fight when I'm um, maybe uh, defending the the title, I'll have I'll have um, fans there and it'll be a different atmosphere and a different vibe. And just just two more quickly. What what did you learn from that fight? I mean, it was a European title win so that's incredible but how much did you learn from that experience yeah I, i've learned a lot and i'm uh, looking back on the fight as well and looking back on the videos there's a lot of points for and and against the the uh, performance so i mean it's, it's just um keep um in the gym and and just keep perfecting um my style and and keep growing as a fighter and as a person um, finally, because I know you need to get back, back, uh, back in training. What, what are your ambitions for the for the future? What are your long term ambitions? Where do you see yourself going? Um, well, me, I'm I'm in here for the for the long haul, and I, I want to be world champion one day. And um, with the with the will of Allah, um, if if it's written for for it to happen, it will happen. Uh, but my um, full intentions are to. Um, put in the hard work and uh, hopefully one day uh, have that world title about on my shoulder. Ijez Ahmed there speaking to the middlemen about uh, a potential rematch with Kadimi, uh, maybe a fight with Sonny Edwards, who's going for the British Super Flyweight Championship uh, next month. Uh, a lovely guy, Max, and what a story. Yeah, definitely. Uh, an an under, underdog story as well. Uh, going into that fight, if you saw, if you paid any attention to the buzz going into it, Kadimi was a heavy, heavy favourite. So it was uh, astonishing for Ahmed and uh, fantastic for him to get the result that he did because he, he was the underdog. I remember seeing a, a, one article uh, that ran a that ran a poll on who would be the winner, and 99% of wow. the 80 people that participated in that voted uh, Kadimi. So, Obviously. yeah, Ahmed really uh, really won it against the odds. Well, uh, we're very proud of him and uh, we'll hopefully be speaking to uh, Ijaz very soon. But thank you for coming on, uh, Ijaz. I know you're listening and you're an absolute star. We really appreciate it. Uh, let's go on to another star, uh, Clarissa Shields. And when you think of the great boxers, you think of Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, Floyd Mayweather, Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano, they all come to mind. But now, do we have to c- consider Clarissa Shields uh, in that category? Is, is she held in similar esteem to those kind of boxers? She beat Canada's uh, Marie 
Eve Decore on Saturday night. Uh, it was the first pay-per-view women's fight headliner since uh, Layla Ali versus Jackie Frazier, obviously the daughters of Ali and Joe Frazier. Look, Clar- Clarissa Fields, a twice undisputed champion. Uh, she has four world titles in two separate divisions. Is she the greatest female boxer of all time, Max? It's it's tough not to argue as as you listed her credentials there. It's tough not to argue. No, it's tough to argue against that when you hear her credentials there. Honestly, you know what what she's accomplished in the sport is ridiculous. The, I think the first ever pro boxer to become undisputed in two weight divisions in the four belt era is just you know no one nobody has done it, male or female, and that is that is the only reason I would say. Um, you might have to consider her in when you're talking about top 10s or top 15s of greatest boxers ever uh, because her influence and, as I said, her accomplishments is just um, literally, literally unrivaled. She is the only one doing it right now in that women's game. Um, and it's, it's crazy. We, we need to see her up against uh, Savannah Marshall, the, the British middleweight champion, because I think that's that's the only... Uh, question mark over Clarissa's uh, career right now. She's accomplished so much in uh, in such pretty much a short space of time as well that there's not really anything for her. I think apart from that fight, it's a bit of a grudge match because Marshall got the best of her in the amateur. So there's a whole story there. Um, and what a career-defining win that would be. I think that's the only thing that win would fully cement her place as... Uh, the greatest of all time because there's still some huge, huge names in the sport of women's boxing right now. You know, Katie Taylor isn't a walkover. She's no joke. Let's not forget who she is and what she's done for women's boxing too. Sure, sure. So, so it's, you know, it's it's not easy for uh, Shields to win that title at all. But I think beating Savannah Marshall, if she can do that, then she might have just earned it. And just a little preview, I suppose, to Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. Uh, Clarissa Shields says she's the quote to the greatest woman of all time. Uh, a little preview, a little prediction. I know it's early, but who who do you think would win, Shields or Marshall? What, what, what's your professional expert opinion as our, our boxing, our go-to boxing guy here on the Middlemen Podcast? Well, of course, it's hard to stay impartial in it because, um, you know, Savannah's British just like us and, and you got to root for, for her and, you know, she would just propel her stock and herself, her brand and her whole career if she was able to beat Clarissa Shields. That would just be uh, phenomenal. But yeah, as I said, she, she won in the amateurs. There's a reason behind that. Um, so obviously it's completely two completely different landscapes and uh, Shields has had time to develop over that time and obviously gone on to do what she's done. Um, that doesn't mean she should be a heavy favourite because Marshall is still um, completely game. She's a title holder now. So I, I think it's, it's, it's a real close one and one of the closest women uh, women's boxing fights that you would be getting right now in, in these recent times. I don't think a... Um, a women's title fight comes as 50-50 as that. So it's it's hard to lean to a certain uh, fighter there. Obviously, you can't say draw in boxing. That's just, that's just not on. That's like saying draw in rugby or something. Um, but it, I, I think it would honestly be that close. Uh, I m- might, might have to lean towards Shields a bit, unfortunately, uh, but would obviously, from a fan's perspective, be rooting for, for Savannah to do the job. 
Well, it's a massive fight that everyone in boxing is very much looking forward to. And we hope it actually goes ahead. And I say that because we're also looking forward to AJ versus Fury. And we've been looking forward to that for a long time now. And there have been false promises. There have been all sorts of things said about this fight, when it's going to go ahead, when it's going to happen. The most recent one, of course, Bob Arum saying that it's imminent. Tyson Fury's come out today and said, uh, no, that's not the case. There's a lot of work behind the scenes. I think you've got the tweet, Max. But I- I'm just going to say this. I th- as a boxing fan, it's, it's really frustrating. Um, and it- it's getting to a point now where... <laughs> I-, I don't know. It- it's getting to a point now where it's becoming a bit annoying, actually. It's not just frustrating, but it's a bit annoying now. Seeing every single... I do sport bulletins for a-, a radio station in Watford. Obviously, AJ's a big Watford boy. And so it's always there's always a story about Anthony Joshua and the last six months, it's always been, we're closer to an Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight. We're closer. We're getting closer. Are we ever going to get there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I think we will. Uh, we definitely will. There's no way this fight isn't going to happen. You can clearly see both parties want it to happen. Um, and, and it's destined that these, these guys are destined to clash um, in one of the best, biggest heavyweight fights of the division's history but when when it's a fight of that significance obviously it's going to take a lot of details to be combed over as well um and we just have to trust the process uh from from a point of view of the people that don't really have any information about where or how the negotiations are headed we just have to trust that both people want to get this fight done so fingers crossed it will be it's just the, the question of time is is the main thing. And as you said, Bob Aaron came out and said uh, they're really closing in on it and it shouldn't be too long away. And Tyson Fury, as you said today, just completely contradicted that. And here is the quote. Uh, he said to IFL, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that can scupper a fight. Nothing's actually on until you're in the ring. We're nowhere near that at the moment. Do I think the fight will eventually happen? Yes. Do I think it's imminent? No. So... That says a lot from somebody who obviously will have all the information in the world because it's his fight. Yeah. Um, so I think that says an awful lot about it. And to be honest, fights like these are almost like a transfer deal in football. You really don't know. It's never 100% until, as as Tyson Fury says, until they are in the ring. So you, you can never you can never believe what everyone says. But as I said, just really trust it. It's true. And I, I think... The thing is, at the moment, we're waiting for this fight. Once it happens, we'll look back on it and think, wow, what a, what a great evening of boxing, which I'm sure it will be. And you look, back at, you, you look back at these iconic events like AJ Klitschko in London or the Rumble in the Jungle and these classic fights where we, kind of, we forget that they were, it were, they were months in the making. And I think when you're in the moment, you can become very impatient. And I think I am uh, a little bit <laughs> impatient at the moment. Um, but when I look back on it, I'm sure I will look back on it as an absolute classic, a real thriller. And one I was privileged enough to watch, uh, I very much doubt I'll be there in person if it's in Saudi Arabia, but uh, on television. Uh, one more thing before we wrap up. Rumours this week, I don't actually know a lot about this. This is I didn't have any notes on this. So I just thought about it. Uh, Wilder versus Andy Ruiz Jr. Deontay Wilder versus Andy Ruiz Jr. is a fight I've seen. Uh, I've, I've seen people talking about this week. That's what the rumours are. Uh, at the moment in the boxing world is, is that something that could happen and if so who would win that one i think i think it's a fantastic fight further down the line obviously andrew is scheduled to fight uh chris Ariola in the coming months 
don't ask me what date, but um, that's that's his scheduled next fight. So it'll be very interesting. I think um, returning to this talking point, when Andy's fought Ariola will be, um, well, give us a lot more substance and we'll kind of create an angle of what to talk about because I think it's going to be very telling um, and we can make kind of form predictions on a fight between Ruiz and Wilder, depending on how Ruiz performs. And, you know, in the last last two times we've seen Ruiz come out, we've seen him shock the world and then disappoint himself in the two consecutive fights. So I think it will be really um, telling of his character and his average type of performances uh, when he goes and fights Ariola. But I think I, I think his skill set's there. And I, I, everyone said, um, you know, his, his physique has always been the problem or his conditioning or whatever but if you've seen if you've been keeping up with uh, Ruiz in socials recently yeah he's he's been the buzz of uh boxing twitter I've seen him everywhere you've seen the size of the legs on that man now is an absolute joke he's he's in with the Reynoso team he's training you know the there's that cliche phrase iron sharpens iron but it truly does you know he's he's got into the environment the champions environment with people like Oscar Valdez and Canelo and it's it's paying off on him so I think, um, as I said, we'll have to see how he performs against Ariola first before he fights Wilder, if, if that fight ever does happen. Um, and, and then we can go from there and, and see how it would play out. But I think he can he can cause, Andy Ruiz can cause anybody in that division problems. Um, and so can Wilder. So I think that fight will be nothing short of fireworks. No, I'm really looking forward to it. And good on Ruiz, actually. Good on him for, for changing his appearance, working hard to get into shape. And uh, now he's he's a real challenger in the heavyweight division. Now, that's about it from the Middlemen podcast this week. We heard exclusively from Ijaz Ahmed. Uh, we've touched on Liverpool, their great Champions League form and their awful run uh, in the Premier League. Chelsea, just overall, they've been excellent, haven't they? Under Thomas Tuchel, 11 unbeaten now. No goals conceded at home what an incredible stat that is Uh, and and we've just we've gone over so much this week so thanks for listening guys a real pleasure as always to bring you up to date with all of the latest sport and yeah like uh, don't subscribe is there anything to subscribe to max what do i say at the end of a podcast you've got to teach me this you can get you can get following or downloading or both (laughs) please do both guys uh but now any any time Whatever you do, uh, if, if you can dedicate any time to listen to this podcast, we deeply appreciate it. So thank you once again and uh, stay tuned for the next episodes that drop every week. Max is going to round us off from now on. Cheers, guys. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening.